This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? Yes, it's your friend Bob Cook, and I'm glad to be back with you and to share with you from the Word of God. We're going to look now at uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. Paul says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Well, that'll take us for a while. We'll take this phrase by phrase and see what the Lord may say to us. We beseech you, that is that is a word that is a, a tender entreaty kind of a word. Uh, it's not a command. It's, it says we just, we're just pleading with you, brothers, to do this. And uh, so it's, it's uh, para kaleo, beseech. You find that word happening here and there. Uh, Romans 12.1, for example, we beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And it comes from the, the idea <clears throat> of uh, encouragement and comfort and entreaty and beseeching a person to do something because it's important, not because you're commanding him to do it. So, all right, he said, we're beseeching you, brothers. Uh, warn the unruly. Now, those are interesting words. You want to think about them for a moment, that word warn. And by the way, it means keep on. It's, they're all in the linear sense there. It's not just once. It's keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Keep on warning and keep on doing this and that. So if you're a minister or a deacon or a trustee or in some responsibility in the church, uh, this is something that you keep on doing. Uh, well, the first thing he says is warn. And that is uh, a compound word that means set them straight. It's, it's translated in verse 12 uh, as admonish. Uh, it's uh, it's it's admonish uh, know them which are over you in the Lord, uh, who uh, admonish you. And now this time it's the same verb, but it's translated warn. What it really means is to set their mind straight, set the mind straight, put it straight. Um, how do you get a person to think differently? I have noticed that all the argument in the world doesn't make people think very much different. Have you noticed that? And but yet this is the this is the, the thing that God tells you to do. Set their mind straight. You remember the uh the little boy who was told to sit down and he didn't? You remember that story? And uh, father uh, said in a more strict tone of voice, son, sit down, and he didn't. And the third time, the voice was raised with a little gravel in it, and he said, sit down, and the boy didn't. So the inevitable happened. He got a spanking. Now he finally sat down. But he looked at his father, and he said, I'm still standing up inside. <laughs> oh, he had spunk, didn't he? <laughs> Well, spunk isn't bad if you if you channel it and direct it. Uh, 
But uh, that's the problem with human nature. You can argue successfully, and people will still have a different point of view. So, all right, is this an impossible command for the pastor, the deacon, the trustee, the elder, the Sunday school teacher, or you and I who are, are just garden variety church members? How are we supposed to change people's minds? Well, Paul talks in Romans 12, too, about the renewing of your mind. You lead people to yield themselves to God, body, soul, and spirit, and their mind is going to be affected as well. You know that? I served a church for some months in an interim capacity way back in the, when was it? 60s, I guess, late 50s or 60s. And there was a power play going on there. There were, there were people taking sides and pulling and hauling against each other. Well, what I did was to get them into a prayer meeting and get them under conviction concerning their own lives without saying much about the power play at all. Just get them next to the, the Lord. And you'd be amazed at how their attitudes toward each other started to change. You change people's thoughts by getting them in touch with the person who can make a difference. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God does something in my mind when I give my life to him. That's the truth of it. Years ago, I can remember that I was under great pressure about a certain matter. Uh, the problem was, what I wanted was, was not what God wanted, and I knew it. Have you ever been in that uh, position? What I really wanted was not what God wanted, and I knew it. Well, I had to come to terms with it. And it was a hot summer's afternoon. I remember it so clearly. I got down and I prayed. And I said, God, I have to tell you the truth. I want to do this, but I know you don't want me to. Please help me. Now, as sure as I'm sitting here talking with you, I could feel the steam going out of the pressure cooker of my mind. I could feel the determination that I had had, the desire and the determination I had had concerning this matter, I could feel it leaving. And all of a sudden I was at peace and everything was all right. Do you know about that? God can change your mind. Now this is the job that we face in Christian work. It's not to, people, to argue people into submission nor indeed to seek to dominate them. Be reasonable, do as I say, you know the old saying. No, no. You get them in touch with the blessed Spirit of God and let him operate on them in line with the will of God and you'll find that their thinking and their attitudes are changed as a result. All of that grew out of this idea of setting a person's mind straight. To warn, to admonish, to set straight. Now, there, there is an obligation for you to present what is true from the Word of God. This is what God's Word says. You have that obligation truly to present it in love, manifesting the truth in love, says Paul. But if you want God to change people's thinking and set their minds straight, get them in touch with the blessed Lord. 
Let their lives be yielded, body, soul, and spirit. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Yielded body, soul, and spirit to their Lord. And then see what God will do in what Paul calls the renewing of their mind. So that they'll be able to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, namely the will of God. Now, he talks about people who are un unruly. Unruly. Well, you know what that means in English. Unmanageable. Out of line. In the Greek, it means out of rank. Pe people uh, like soldiers who've, who've, who've broken rank. Who've either deserted or who are out of step at least. They're out of ranks. Now, he says, you, you help them to get straight. What's involved in helping a person to get straight who has gotten out of step? Maybe he's gotten offended at something in the, in, the, in the church. Maybe somebody has hurt him or her deeply, and, and so they're staying away from the services and sulking and grieving. Or maybe they've backslidden and gone back to the old habits of sin. Well, I don't know what's happened, but they're out of step. Now, what do you do about it? Number one, you love them. You, you, you get with them and you show them love. Don't lecture. Don't lecture. Don't preach to them. They get enough of that. Get with them and show them that you care about the individual, that you care about them. Get with them. Show them love. Second, encourage them, maybe with you, to get into activity that honors the Lord. I've been greatly encouraged on occasion by people who took me on, a, on a, an errand or a trip with them. Said, come on, Cook, you want to go along? Well, sure, I'll go along. And so, in the process, there was a chance to talk with one of God's saints, and there was a chance to, to see the Lord work in somebody else's life uh, as we reached the uh, destination toward which we were going. So take them with you and involve them as quickly and easily as you can in something positive that honors the Lord. There is a therapeutic value in getting active in something that honors the Lord. So the quick, as quickly as you can, you establish rapport with this person who's out of step, and you show them real Christian love, and you encourage them with you, probably, uh, in your company to get active in something that will help to kindle the old fire once again. Don't let them go off in a corner and sulk and just rot inwardly. You get them going. This is all part of dealing with people who are out of step. Warn the unruly. And that job never ceases. It's in the linear sense there. Keep on, do it, and keep on doing it is the way you read that Greek New Testament word. Now what else are you supposed to do? Comfort the feeble-minded. Now, when we use feeble-minded now, we speak of a person who isn't wrapped, as they say in Brooklyn, isn't wrapped too tight. This word, it goes a good deal farther than that. Actually, it's a, an interesting word. It, uh, it's a compound, again, of two words, oligos, which means little or few, and psukos, which means mind. Little mind, small mind. People who don't too have too much capacity and who thus get shaken up with the things that are happening. Comfort those who are of little soul. Is there any hope for people who are, who are uh, small caliber people, small souled people? Any hope for them in God's work? Why, of course. 
there again, you don't change them by lecturing them and saying, listen, you ought to have a bigger vision. You ought to pay more attention to the big picture instead of being lost in the small details. That isn't going to help them. Just make them angry. How do you do it? You begin lovingly to involve them in something bigger than themselves. The key to growth in Christian things is getting involved in something outside of your own concerns. I, me, and mine need to be taken care of and dropped out of your praying so you get to praying for other people and helping with other people. He says comfort them. Now, see, that, that word comfort is a word that means what you do when you visit somebody who's in deep sorrow. What do you do when you go to a place where death has entered and there's deep sorrow? Well, you first of all, you be there. Your presence means something. Be there. Second, you show love and sympathy and concern. And that's exactly what you're supposed to do with people who seem to be of small soul. Get with them. Show love and sympathy and concern for them as they are and then get them involved in something bigger than themselves so they can grow a little in the Lord. Good idea? Well, we'll take up some more out of this 14th verse of 1 Thessalonians 5 the next time we get together. Father God, today, oh, may we be people who are helping others by getting them involved in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.